Welcome to Movies with Heart. I'm your host, Sam Fullhart, joined as always by my co-host, Paul Fullhart. No relation. We are here together uh, for our fourth and final episode in our Christmas holiday, uh, tis the season, um, Hanukkah, uh, what else? Um, Jingle Bell Bash. Winter Wonderland uh, Spectacular. Winter, Wonder, Winter Wonderland Spectacular. Uh, is Kwanzaa this time of year too? Uh, I, I don't know. We'll forget about Kwanzaa. <laughs> maybe. Uh, yeah. Possibly well, Kwanzaa special. Possibly Kwanzaa, maybe not. Um, so uh, yeah, that's, that's the, um, that is the, uh, the name of this run of episodes. Uh, and you know, um, I think yep, I think it's going to I think it's going to stick. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, we'll remember that for next year. <laughs> yeah. So for this final uh final episode in our uh in our run, uh, I don't need to repeat the title again. Every everybody's got it. Uh we're going to be discussing Die Hard. Um so I, I I will I'll just say up front uh this this is an R-rated movie with many memorable quotes uh that contain strong language. And, you know, we're not we're not like trying to be vulgar, um, but, you know, in discussing the movie, we might uh, it might be appropriate for us to occasionally, uh, you know, uh, say some of these quotes. So just if you're, um, you know, if you're just looking to have a, to enjoy your, your Christmas without any profanity, maybe uh, maybe skip this episode. Um, but for the rest of you, uh, you know, welcome aboard. Um, Paul, what's tell us about your history with Die Hard? Uh, when did this movie come into your life? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I really, I'm really glad that we're doing this one for Christmas. I think for for me, this one it's really rooted in Christmas. The first time I ever saw any of this movie, it was um, either Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. My brother had just gotten this movie for Christmas. And so he, he was going to watch it. I, I wasn't old enough at this point to like have any sanctioned viewing of this movie, <laughs> but I just happened to to walk into the room and it was on. And so I watched a few scenes because as yeah, we said up front, there's there's a lot of language. So I wasn't quite yeah, my ears weren't quite ready for those words yet. <laughs> wow, I can't <laughs> believe I remember... that your brother would let you watch it with him. <laughs> yeah, man, what a what a meanie. Um, yeah. Or, well, what a nice person, actually. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, and I remember re- really enjoying those scenes when I got to see it then. And then it was so several, several years later on a just a nice during during the the holidays, I was able to fi- finally watch it. And I just remember just re- really, really enjoying it there. And then um, for me and my family, it be- became as we kind of got older, it became a, a Christmas tradition. This is movie that i and i think it could be enjoyed year-round but it's you know rooted in christmas and that's i i make sure to watch it every, every christmas what about you what's um yeah your background with this one yeah well it's also a christmas tradition in my family uh the first time i watched it was in in the summer though the summer of 07 uh i had actually earlier that day i'd, I'd watched the the latest die hard in the theater with my my friend Nathan, uh, live free or die hard. And then we went back to his house for a sleepover and we rented, uh, the original die hard. And, um, yeah, we, we, and yeah, neither one of us had seen it and we just loved it. And 
honestly, it kind of it, live. I mean, I thought Live for Your Die Hard was awesome. And then when I saw oh, yeah. this one, I was like, <laughs> oh, I don't know. That, that was not nearly as good. Um, and this was kind of this was kind of a pivotal movie for me because, you know, I was watching this. This was the summer after my sophomore year of high school. I remember my freshman year of high school watching Shaun of the Dead, um, another great movie that maybe we could do sometime. But I was scandalized by the profanity in that movie. Like I'd say there's pr- probably like 30 or 40 F-bombs. Um, yeah. And I, I just, it was, a, it was a little much for me, even though I, I enjoyed it. Um, whereas with this movie, you know, like a year, year and a half later, I just, I loved all the profanity and I was, I was so in, into it. Um, so this is kind of, yeah, I, I don't know what, what changed in that time, or maybe it was the movie itself, uh, and just the way that, uh, the F word gets used here. But, um, yeah, I, I, and it also was still, you know, I hadn't seen that many R rated movies and like you know, used to action where people get shot or they get stabbed and there's no blood. And I just, I loved the amount of blood in this movie. Yeah, maybe, maybe I've been desensitized. I'll be curious on this watch through. Because like, I remember it, I, I like, I remember me as a kid thinking, oh man, there's a million F words in this movie. Like, yeah. It's like every other word. But I, I, I'm like recent viewings, <laughs> I really don't remember for thinking that there was a particularly large quantity of profanity in this movie. And it, maybe I'm probably just desensitized to yeah. my words at this point. After you've watched <laughs> like uh, The Wolf of Wall Street or, or something. Or just, I think, or just like talked in real life t- to, that, to people. <laughs> that's true too. Yeah. And maybe I that think... was it for me too. Is like I had been in high school for two years at this point. So yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Been been around just normal conversation where yeah. swear words are used. And then I also don't remember the blood being like particularly jarring to me anymore. So I'll be curious to see like how, how far it goes. I wrote an essay in in English class during my junior year and it was like the entire trimester was kind of centered around this one essay. Uh, I think it ended up being pretty long. And it, I wrote it on the American action hero from the 1950s, starting with John Wayne, up through the 90s with John uh, McClane. Um, and so I'm going to try to track that down and read it before we uh, discuss the movie. But this was kind of like John McClane, uh, the, the, act, the hero of Die Hard, he was like, you know, this is one of my first times, like, kind of approaching movies academically. Uh, yeah. So, uh, oh, I can't, I can't, can't wait to hear what your thoughts were. Yeah, should be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll see if they hold up. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah, Sweet, Paul. Yeah. Is is there anything else that you're, uh, you know, going to be looking for on this watch? I think I think that's really you know all I had. I'll certainly be looking you know at it through a Christmas movie lens because um, so we're doing our christmas whatever name it is yeah. special um so yeah i think that's that's what i got do you have anything uh no let's get to it ho 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 that's right we're back from watching die hard paul what did you think this time around uh, for, first of all, I love love the movie reference. <laughs> Crushed it. But second of all, um, surprise surprise to no one. I think this movie holds up. Uh, this is 
one of my favorite Christmas movies. That's why we're watching it here. This is one of my favorite action movies. And I think all, all, all of those things were there. Though I, I will say it was fun kind of watching it, this movie, you know, this time with a more critical lens trying to analyze. I don't think I've ever thought about the themes of Die Hard <laughs> as closely as I did on this viewing or thought about, you know, thinking about more like, all right, I get that I like this movie, but what, why, why, am, why is this working? What's different about this movie? Why does this stand out to me compared to other action movies? So it was fun, fun to think about those things, and I think I gained an overall greater appreciation. I think under the woodworks, there's a lot of stuff, like really, tr truly impressive stuff for what you think is kind of a hokey movie, um, kind of work wor working down there. So I, I, re I really enjoyed that. What about you? Yeah, uh, I mean, definitely one of my favorite action movies of all time, favorite Christmas movies of all time. I, I have thought some about the themes before. Um, like I said, yeah, I, I wrote, wrote a, a paper large show. essay about it. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I don't know if I'd ever really been thinking critically about it while I was watching it. And and yeah, and it, it made for a really great experience. I mean, this is probably like the, I don't know, 13, 14, 15th time yeah. I've seen it. <laughs> and it, it felt so fresh. Uh, and yeah, I I mean, I just I love this movie. I'm so excited to talk about it. Um, before we get uh, you know too deep into, it, maybe we should just give a quick summary. Yeah. yeah. So so for our listeners that don't don't make this a, a yearly viewing experience, <laughs> I'll do a, do a quick run through. So, so basically, the premise is you have a New York cop and John McClane. He's flying over to California. It's where his wife works uh, for the Nakatomi Corporation. And this is going to be hopefully his chance to kind of reunite with her and extinguish, you know, try to bring back the love in their marriage. He's had to he's stayed in New York quotes because he needs to keep being a police officer there or something. Got to put yeah, the criminals away. Um, put the scumbags away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's got a backlog of New York scum to put in jail. Uh, so but. You know, so maybe so this is his big opportunity. Of course, he's at the party to do to make it better. And then um, our supposed terrorists show up. That's right. So it wasn't just a Christmas reuniting, um, rekindling drama. There's there's also terrorists in this movie and they're actually secretly doing a heist to, to steal a bunch of money from the Nakatomi Corporation. They have an elaborate plan that they're going to carry out. There's one wrench in the operation, and that's John McClane. He, he wasn't captured in their initial capturing of everyone, and he's out there running amok uh, through, the, through the building and this super cool bajillion story building under construction for, for a great setting. Uh, and it all culminates in an exciting and violent and explosive finale. Lots of cool characters run through on our way, but I, I think that's that's the yeah. gist of it. Um, and I think you know, with that, it kind of all it's there's a lot going on, and so it really needs to have a strong start. So do we want to start there? Yeah, let let's do that. So I, I the first like what the movie goes about twenty minutes until we get the terrorists, uh, <laughs> you know, creating mayhem at the party. Um, so let, yeah, let's talk about how, how this movie goes about setting up our characters, introducing the themes. Um, 
because I think on this watch, really kind of looking for the, I think it does an amazing job. Um, it it starts showing us John McClane fl- flying into L.A. Um, we get it does such a it's so natural the way that it gets exposition in you know he's he's sitting next to a, a stranger on a plane they're making small talk so we we find out that he's you know a New York cop New York. Um, we see that he has a gun um, and then uh, gun you know, on an airplane <laughs> yeah, no problem <laughs> I'm I'm a New York cop going to L A yeah <laughs> no problems with my gun here yeah. <laughs> Sorry. That's that, that does stick out. Uh, and, and, you know, when I watched this the first time in like 2007, 9-11 was pretty fresh in the memory. That was <laughs> yeah. like so jarring. Um, yeah, but but uh, anyway. yeah, then he he gets picked up. Um, he, he gets his own limo uh, from the Nakatomi Corporation. Um, he's never ridden in a limo before. I think it's I mean, it it's great. that Like he has no idea what he is in for. And he is he's coming into a world that is very foreign to him I, and this way it's it's much like elf um exactly <laughs> yeah they they do a great job of kind of setting up that juxtaposition there and i think one of the other ways they do it in like this opening part is we get john and just like through the way he talks you know we learn a lot about like him and you kind of see that he's like a blue collar guy yeah. and then they open up and then the and then they cut away for the from him for the first time and the first thing that you get is you hear the fancy violin um, music. <laughs> and so it's just like an immediate without even seeing anything in the scene. You know, you just hearing that music, you already know, oh, this is we're going to a different world than what um, John McClane yeah. is, is used to. So I, I just I really love that, like just beginning music cue and they switch over to establish the, you know, that the Nakatomi corporations having having a Chris Christmas party and that, you know, his wife, Holly is now a, you know, a high powered corporate person. So it really helps to, yeah, kind of show that difference in their lives now. Yeah. That's a really, I hadn't totally put that together. That That's really good. Um, <laughs> and then he, so he, he, uh, rides in the limo, um, with Argyle, his driver. Um, and, uh, he doesn't know how to ride in the limo. So he sits up front, and yeah. <laughs> um, I think that that's pretty funny right there. Um, oh, yeah. uh, and and it also kind of endears you to him, too, that he, uh, you know, is like, uh, yeah, he's just he, he feels yeah. most comfortable up front with the limo driver rather than in the back, you know, by himself. Yeah, exactly. um, he's yeah, he's a blue collar guy. Um, and, you know, Argyle's a very inquisitive uh, limo driver. So he's asking, you know, why he's uh, why he's in L.A. And, you know, we, we find out um the the you know things with his wife are not very good he's kind of going there to, to hopefully patch things up um so yeah, it, they they do it in yeah. such like a clever way where it's not like hey why do you have marital troubles or whatever yeah. i don't know what terrible question he could ask that'd be <laughs> obvious but they do it more in the way that he's uh, argyle's asking him like all right i'm gonna drop you off and then you know and then they have their conversation where it's like, yeah, John's telling him, oh, I'm going to, you know, see my wife. And then he's like, well, why Why does your wife live here? You know, which is a reason, you know, that's a question yeah. to ask because he's already told him he's a New York cop. So it's like it may, it's like a natural conversation. Yeah. And you have the whole thing where it's like, all right, well, I'm going to, you know, wait here for you. And if, if you 
scoring or going to yeah stay stay with her tonight then i'll just leave or but if it's not working out i can you know stay with you stay here and i'll I'll take you to your hotel or whatever it's kind of a fun and just creative way of establishing that without and like just natural dialogue yeah exactly um i also like in that scene you know a good christmas movie has to have good christmas music and uh uh, Argyle puts on the the Run DMC Christmas classic, uh, Christmas in Hollis. I had to look it up to see what it was called. Um, you didn't know what that song was called? Are you kidding I, me? I, <laughs> it's I, a I Christmas did, classic. I didn't, yeah. The, this movie introduced me to this song. and It, it yeah. did introduce me to this song as well. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. Oh. Um, it's so so good. Um, yeah. The, the, yeah, the line when, yeah, John's like, Oh, well, I said Christmas music, and then Argyle's like, this is Christmas music. Yeah. As the, the song picks up is one of my favorite things. Oh, oh mine too. Um, yeah, so then he so then he gets to uh, Nakatomi Plaza. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I mean, even just in, in going in, like, it, it does a good job of kind of giving you the layout of the building. Like, we know there's a security guard over by the elevators. Um, so it kind of you know we know what the terrorists are going to have to do when they get in we kind of know we're starting to like learn yep. where things are um and and we also just get you know m- more things to to reinforce that that uh, John is a fish out of water you know there's this fancy uh system in the the lobby for like finding where somebody is in the building um and they get in a good joke there because he like goes all this trouble of looking up his wife and then it turns out that there's only one um, floor that's even <laughs> occupied at this point the guy at the yeah. front desk already knew that um and it also in this part we you know he's look he he looks up Holly uh McLean doesn't find her so then he tries uh her maiden name Holly Gennaro and that's what she's listed under so we know that yeah. she's no longer using his name yeah, it's so efficient. It services like it services three different things all all in kind of one concept. And it's it also it's kind of establishing like, yeah, this like New York versus California, like California is like this land of technology kind of thing. So it's even more just kind of fish out of water there. Right. Yeah. There's a couple times where he's like California, like I'm trying <laughs> to remember the first time he said it's it. like it's someone gets off the plane he's on. And it's yeah. like she it's like a girlfriend and she like jumps on her boyfriend oh, yeah. and they start making out in public. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then the second time he gets kissed uh by by a, a very flamboyant guy at the party. Um yeah. <laughs> and it it's kind of he's just kind of amused by like I don't feel like he really is that bothered by it. He's no, just kind he's of just like yeah, this is different. <laughs> this is different. Yeah, this, I'm not used to getting kissed by my fellow police officers. Um, yeah, and and then I mean, we get introduced uh, to some of the other to some great side characters right away. Um, Ellis is uh, in um, Holly's office snorting cocaine. I, I mean, we get the the great '80s, you know, uh, corporate uh, cocaine addicted uh, guy. Um, <laughs> We get, uh, you know, the so it's the the Nakatomi Corporation. So it's a Japanese company, um, and uh, you know, John is a little bit confused, like why a Japanese company is celebrating Christmas. So he's kind of like he's a, he's obviously not a very you know cosmopolitan guy, 
Um, uh, let's see what what else is what are some of the other things that we get introduced to right away? We learn about like they have Holly and John have kids. Yeah, we learn that uh, we learn that the top few floors of the building are under construction because uh, you know John's complimenting Takagi about the cool building they have, and he's like, "It will be when it's finished." Um, so yeah, it, it, so it's yeah, it's establishing like the 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 I guess the playground for the rest of the movie to take place in. So you kind of yeah. you have a much better sense of where it's gonna be. I'm trying to think. Uh, I mean, there's a, the argument with him and his wife, um, yeah. and that you know he t- talks about the f- fact that she's no longer using his last name. Um, uh, you know, there she she throws out that he could stay with her um and you know it seems like there's she's interested in reconciling but it's unclear and he just kind of he kind of loses it a little bit um Mm -hmm. and immediately after that conversation he's like banging his head against the mirror like he know you also like you see from that that he is kind of aware of his shortcomings even though he has a hard time you know uh he's yeah he has a hard time like dealing with him but he he doesn't she just kind of know um how he falls short um so immediately after the conversation it's not like he he's not mad at holly he's mad at himself and yeah for what for what he said and i think they also they do a good job of like they're both they don't make it's not like holly's perfect either (laughs) yeah they're like two flawed people that love each other they're trying trying to make this this thing work but they're having troubles (laughs) Exactly. And, and and having so, yeah, Ellis, the coke guy, you know, it's clear that he uh, is infatuated with Holly. And we've seen him a bit earlier, uh, just like just asking her out very like very overtly. Um, mm-hmm. So he also has like, yeah, not only is he not living, you know, near his wife, he also knows that there's this, you know, rich white collar guy at her job who's aggressively hitting on her. Um, so yeah, things, things could be better, uh, for John. Um, and, uh, yeah. And, and we do see as this is going on, we, we get a few shots of the terrorists, uh, you know, heading over to the, so we kind of know that something is about to, to break out. Um, so I, I like that too, that, that like, you know, there's, yeah, we've been having this whole like relationship thing. And then all of a sudden the mute there, you get another like, um, score change as it shows the, the, um, the terrorists car coming in. So, you know, Oh, these people are up to no good. They're playing the, the villain music. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, is it Ode to joy? Is that the song? No. Playing? no. Okay. I mean, later they on, play that. but okay. They, they play that way later on in the movie, but, um, okay. in this you one, know what song they're playing. It's not like it's just a the composer for the movie came okay. up with some. It's just like a few musical notes, you know, like your super um, low notes to let it, you know, oh, this is a bad guy type, like yeah. three piano note type situation. Like, ooh, spooky. Hello, listeners. Sam Fullhart here. I'm sorry to butt in like this, but we at Movies with Heart are committed to accuracy. So I wanted to let you all know that despite Paul's passionate and some might even say arrogant insistence that Ode to Joy is not played when the villains are introduced, Ode to Joy is in fact played when the villains are first seen in the truck heading to Nakatomi Plaza. 
The song is introduced using only cellos and basses, and it's played quite softly. So a less discerning ear could be forgiven for not recognizing the music as Ode to Joy. Anyway, as the editor on this episode, I thought it was worth rectifying this error on Paul's part, and I'm sure he would agree. Now back to Sam and Paul. But yeah, so I think the, the movie does a really good job of setting up all, all, all these key aspects about the main characters and the setting, uh, which I think then helps the rest of the movie to flourish. Um, so with the terrorists getting there, do we want to talk more about this movie uh, as uh, just a straight action movie now? Yeah, yeah, let, let's do that. So, um, I, I mean, obviously one of the... Uh, interesting things about this movie is that the action is all confined to this one building. Um, and, uh, but, but there's so much, uh, there's so much that can go on in this building because, you know, multiple floors are under construction. Um, there, there's a lot of different, uh, tools for John to play with. Um, yeah. All the, all the maneuvering with like the elevator shafts, the ducts, some of the different like yeah construction areas there's so many interesting settings and places for the like environments for them to interact with the top of the you know the top of the building you got all these different places to to go with yeah yeah exactly um and uh what what did you just since we talked about it a little bit in the beginning like what did you think about the the blood and like the the gore um this time around did like do yeah, you think maybe, it's maybe pretty I, tame i might be desensitized yeah. but i didn't like notice it one way or another i think i always i appreciate when people do practical blood one thing i'd yeah. say is it's super noticeable when people go for cgi blood and it just looks not as good so i i always appreciate a good a good splatter to let let me know that they're they're using the the real fake stuff. Yeah. I hate it when it's like, you just get like a spray and then there's like nothing there anymore. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas in this, like you see the blood on the walls and on, yeah, he opens yeah. the door that had blood sprayed on it from like yeah. several scenes ago and there's yeah. still blood sprayed on it. And there's still like a blood stain on the floor over there. Yeah. From, from where that guy was killed before the, the environment is it, it doesn't like they don't erase what happened earlier. Right. Right. Movie. Um, yeah, I, I, I think there, there are a few pretty gory spots. I, I really like, but, um, I like several times. I, I think one of my favorite, uh, moments in the movie, uh, John is, well, and I guess I, I'll just, I think one great thing about the action in this movie is John is like constantly hiding and running from the terrorists. Mm-hmm. Um, like he he knows that he is vastly outnumbered, um, and he like he doesn't know the the building very well, so he's yeah. like constantly having to improvise. He's you know constantly trying to get to safety, um, and I really yeah, like. He... Sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say, yeah, he's like outmatched, outgunned, and he's like he doesn't even have his shoes. He's just yeah. trying, trying to survive. I think you definitely see the seeds of the same person that directed Predator uh, yeah. directed this movie, and so it's definitely you almost could say that he's like hiding in the jungle, and it's kind of more of like that type of a style of movie and, yeah. and the way they they do it, and it's more 
like you know you're setting traps and doing like ambushes on the enemy as opposed to just a straight charge it's you know he right. knows if he if he's in a straight fight he needs to run and so he can yeah. hide and then plan to plan his new um trap so yeah i really i really like that aspect of it yeah that's a good yeah a good connection with uh alien or predator there i i watched it recently on a flight um and yeah it's like even arnold schwarzenegger cannot defeat the predator like the only way that he is going to win is through you know his cunning yeah. and through cre- creating traps um mm-hmm. but uh i i i like the the scene um where john is he's hiding under a table and there's a terrorist uh on top of the table like just firing his gun every which way um and he's just like so triumphant you know he, he knows he's got him uh and I, I, oh, I might forget what the the quote is um but he's something like next time you have an opportunity to kill someone, like don't hesitate. He says this as he's reloading, and then John just like shoots him like five times up through the table into his legs, and uh, he's like, "Thanks for the advice." Um, yeah, and it's just so it's so bloody, like such a gruesome way to to die, just taking bullet after bullet to the legs until you, I guess, bleed out. Um, yeah yeah and i think that also speaks to like an aspect that i never noticed of this movie but it's almost like a horror movie like a well-done horror movie and that the kills in a a weird way are really interesting it's just this time it's the protagonist doing all the kills (laughs) Um, right but they they don't just like do a standard action movie i'm gonna just shoot the bad guy and then that's how it's gonna go each kill is very unique. You know, he has one where he's grappling with the guy. And he ends up getting a chain and hanging the yeah. bad guy. So there's, which is pretty gruesome. That's probably yeah. the most, that was the most gruesome one for me was a hanging. I don't know. Even though that's like bloodless, that seemed yeah. more extreme than and some the, way, of the other ones. The way that whole fight goes down, where he's yeah. just like, just wailing on the Beating. guy and just yeah. like saying he's going to like cook him and eat him. Yeah. He definitely, um, yeah, starts running a little hot there. He's a little yeah. concerned about him, his psychology as a police officer. But that's for yeah. another time. Yeah. But yeah. So he has the hanging. He uses C4 to blow up two of them. You yeah. Know, he does that table one. So it's not like, so they, each time he's killing someone, you know, I think there's one time where he just straight up just sees a bad guy and shoots him. And that's at yeah. like the very end. But for, for the most part, He's it's like really interesting setups and executions on on how he's killing these guys. I think he just strangles another or no, he breaks someone's he, neck is his first he breaks kill. someone. Yeah. When they're going down the stairs. And mm-hmm. yeah, I think there's like there are a couple guys who basically just get shot. But even I mean, the guy, the American guy that he shoots, like he shoots him like right between the eyes. So it's it's still a mm-hmm. cool kill. Um, yeah. Yeah, did you have a favorite kill? Favorite kill. Oh man. I mean, I think I mean I think that it's both the most gruesome but prob- probably the hanging one. I think that one it's just yeah. the culmination of so many things that I, I think that's probably and it's just such an intense fight scene. Uh that's yeah. and it's just kind of the hanging part like really surprised me. Yeah. The first time. That was not how I thought that was going to end. So I'd say yeah. that one. What about you? I think I'd go with the up through the table. Um, yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. But that's a cool one. Partially because of the setup, partially because of the, the line. 
Um, yeah. But I, I, I think the, the hanging would be my other. I, I think mm-hmm. the hanging is so gruesome that it's like, yeah. I, the one through the table is gruesome too, but it's like because it's of the, the joke, it's a little more fun. <laughs> yeah. It's and less mean spirited. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> we're just having we're just out here having you know having fun. Yeah, um, exactly. Which I think that that kind of goes into another point of what I think makes this movie a lot of fun. And I think what makes me not be bothered by some of the gore maybe as much is the whole movie. It keeps a very lighthearted tone the whole yeah. movie, and I, I think this is also important for the Christmas aspect of the movie. Is it never gets too bogged down by the fact that like there's people getting shot at like and killed. Like it keeps it just it manages to do that and have cool these cool kills while still keeping this like more kind of lighthearted jokey tone. But it's it's not obtrusive on the movie. It's not like sometimes, you know, in in certain movies these days I can get bothered by like quips kind of undercutting an intense scene. In this case, it it feels like its tone makes sense throughout the movie. And it just kind of. Uh, I, I think it's there's I think the level of camp there's a level of camp in this movie that helps make that like it ride the line really well. And John McClane is like consist. I mean, he's just from the get go. He's like bewildered by his situation. He's making little, you know, uh, little comments uh, about what's going on. He, he has kind of like. He, did, yeah, he has his, kind of a childlike uh, like sense of like wonder and, and like kind of uh He's always a little, like a little bit of an ironic detachment from it, I, I guess. Yeah, uh, when he when he goes into his like, I don't even know how to call it, his like John McClane voice when he's talking to himself, and he gets yeah. like he starts being super like sarcastic with himself. Yeah, when he's talking about the situation. Like, I, come I out think to the coast, like have a few laughs. laughs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> exactly man you did that way better than i could do it uh, uh, thank you but, <laughs> uh, yeah i think i think having that kind of voice in that i think you know maybe we can start talking about like the i think his performance really helps kind of yeah. keep the the movie fun while still being pretty gruesome yeah well i yeah, again this is this is like home alone it's it's depending on you know bruce willis willis to like keep us engaged and uh yeah so um i guess yeah we've kind of yeah just i what are your general thoughts on bruce willis's performance here and uh you know yeah d- i think yeah i mean i think it's really strong i think it definitely is what makes i mean i think die hard the makes it great is there's a bunch of great performances but i think him at the centerpiece really pulls it all together and kind of as we were saying establishes the tone and i think he's such a cool protagonist because he's you know i mean he's still pretty jacked but he's not like arnold schwarzenegger jacked so he's more of an everyman when i was watching this movie what i wrote down was here's my thought for from watching it was that he's like the blue collar harrison ford uh, yeah where he he's like he's like because i think they're both more like everyman action protagonists um did, yeah. I, did Har- harrison ford his action movies did they come after this Turned well the timeline indiana jones the first one came out in 81 uh but i guess the- i'm not really thinking indiana jones that's oh. more like action adventure like his later like you know your president movie or your oh. doctor movie or 
Yeah, know, those were those clear were all in the and 90s. present danger. Yeah, okay, yeah, because I feel like those then kind of draw on this of like more of an everyman performance, but he's more of like a white collar version of yeah. John McClane. So I guess it's the other way around is that Harrison Ford's well, the white collar John McClane. Yeah, but I, I think Indiana Jones. I mean, Indiana Jones is a college professor, and it he gets beat up a lot. He's yeah, always true. like improvising. He always has kind of a you know, he's always a little bit um, like, yeah, kind of he's self-deprecating. Yeah, he's, his, he's, yeah his his schemes fail a lot and it goes. Yeah, away. it's a great point there. Yeah. So maybe the, yeah, this did get take because that they both they seem like similar kind of where they're both like very fallible. Yeah. Action heroes, which and if helps you, for us common people, us common folk. Exactly. <laughs> and now I'm just going to draw upon my my essay a little bit. Like, think about you know Harrison Ford action hero or or John you know Bruce Willis John McClane compared to like uh John Wayne um or mm-hmm. James Bond in the 60s um or like the so yeah. a lot I mean it's... you don't see John Wayne like tripping over himself and uh yeah. you know running around barefoot with bloody feet um <laughs> He's not he's not making quips. Um, so, yeah, I feel like something changed. Uh, but at least maybe this maybe this had already happened in the 70s. But like mainstream, you know, action heroes by the 80s, like they were definitely going for this is someone that you can relate to. He's like he's far from perfect. Um, but, you know, he will still he'll, he'll get the job done. Um, Exactly. Yeah. And I think that that adds a lot. Yeah. I was looking at the other people that they considered for casting in the role. Yeah. And they all were much more in the vein of your, or I guess not all of them were necessarily, but a lot of them were, including Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh. I was trying to imagine this movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's just such a worse movie. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you need someone like, who can act for one thing. Yeah, exactly. Like, like there's a lot of you real acting. Yeah, going like the on. scene between between John and his wife, and like that's that's good acting. You know, yeah, they're they're, they're having yeah. an argument. Um, yeah, like and a there's, couple there's, would. Yeah, yeah, and there's other scenes where he's like by himself, and he's like has so much like emotion. And yeah, stuff that he's drawing, and you can see him even when he's not talking. You know, he's like squeezing his eyes or something. Like he's clearly like under a lot of duress um yeah yeah that just wouldn't have happened they also had sylvester sloan oh. was in there uh, would have been rough <laughs> clint eastwood oh um, man yeah well, yeah clint eastwood um, is another person who I, I i mean i i love clint eastwood and actually in mm-hmm. unforgiven uh which i think came out in 1990 or 91 92 like in that he's he's like kind of yeah, you see him like as yeah. a basically failing to be a farmer. Like he, there, mm-hmm. he's kind of. Uh, yeah, I think he's closer to the everyman. His problem is that he's depressing. Like, yeah, you you don't. Clint Eastwood's not going to bring the joy that um, you get from Bruce Willis. I think that's. Yeah, I think he's closer. Uh, which um, I agree. I think he could have done, but yeah, he. It's yeah. hard to imagine him delivering some of these quips or talking in like a sarcastic voice yeah um yeah i feel like those are like so bruce willis that it's hard to imagine anyone else pulling yeah. that off 
Yeah. Um, other than, I'm uh, trying to think who else does that voice. I think Spider-Man, weirdly enough. I think like the Tom Holland Spider-Man might have like Bruce Willis voice. Wow, <laughs> I, I'll have to look for that next time. I, I watch might it. I might be crazy, but I, I swear I've seen something recently where someone kind of had that Bruce Willis voice going on. But they also did, it looks like, consider Harrison Ford, who I think actually could have done this role pretty well. Um, I do too. I think that... And he's played he's played cops before, um, and he has yeah, kind of a def- yeah. Um, well, and, like isn't he a cop in Witness? It's been so long. I'm sure. I'm sure okay. you're correct. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I think I'm trying to think why Bruce Willis. I definitely think Bruce Willis is the better. I think he has a little mm-hmm. more, maybe just a, more of a blue collar vibe than Harrison Ford. Yeah. Oh, I think that's um, problem. Harrison Ford's too white collar for to be yeah. the New York, New and, York cop. Right, and Harrison Ford could specific. not. New York's very specific. Right, Harrison Ford is from Illinois. I don't know if he could. He doesn't really doesn't give off an East Coast vibe at all. Yeah, yeah. Um, that that would be his one 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 downfall. I think he's definitely the other like closest one that yeah. could be like that was considered. Um, okay, like Al Al Pacino, Paul Newman. <laughs> Yeah, they at I least mean, they were, you know, Paul they Newman, were in. Yeah, Paul he, Newman could maybe funny. do it. I think, he, yeah, I mean, he's maybe like a little too handsome. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, uh, they, they I, yeah, they, they found that was some really good casting. They definitely, they, they, I at least appreciate that all, all these guys are, they clearly were trying to potentially go for something a little different because yeah. not all these guys are your Arnold Schwarzeneggers. They did get kind no. of a broader range. There's a like Paul Newman to Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's <laughs> yeah. a huge range. <laughs> um I one other scene I really like with uh with Bruce Willis is when he's on the phone talking to uh the cop that he's had contact with for a lot of the movie um mm-hmm. Powell uh and Powell, he's Powell. Yeah, um, he's talking about how he should have been more supportive of his wife and, you know, how he's really never been able to apologize to her. And so he's wanting um, Powell. He thinks he's going to die. I mean, he's been pretty beat up by this point. So he's wanting Powell to, you know, his his like his message to his wife, uh, you know, after he's gone, is just like, I'm sorry. Um, and so I really I I really like that. I think that uh, mm-hmm. you could see this as like oh it's you know this is about a a guy kind of taking back his his family and like kind of getting vindicated through this opportunity to save the day but i don't think that's really the case i think he is like i I think he kind of uh recognizes perspective yeah he gets Um. some perspective um like he realizes how much he he uh misses his wife and like uh, you know, needs her and he kind of sees how, um, yeah, he just like sees how self-focused he's been. And, uh, yeah. Um, I, I mean, yeah, just imagine like John Wayne, um, saying, apologizing to, uh, or James Bond, like apologizing to a woman that he, <laughs> slept with uh so yeah. yeah yeah i think yeah the whole concept of i've said i've love you a million times but i've never said i'm sorry i thought that was such a great great line i think so a lot yeah. of that comes from like i think mean, being based on a book i think helps like 
maybe improve some of these type of relationships and makes them deeper than in potentially some other movies, like just action movies that weren't based on anything. Because I think, you know, in a book, you're going to have to like have a little more there in those relationships to drive it. You can't get away with like just as you say, like the, all right, I just killed a bunch of terrorists. So my family loves me again. (laughs) Uh, There needs to be like, you know, that that wouldn't a book's too slow for that to like really be bought by the audience, I think. So I think you need to have more. And I think that infuses. And I think throughout this movie, I mean, the writing's just for, I think for the most part, really strong throughout. And I I think that helps give all these actors just like great material to work with and kind of improves the movie throughout. I'm trying to think of any more thoughts on the action front. Um, let's see. Uh, I, do you want to, well, your I mean, essay have do you want to <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah sure i that would trip i was um yeah let's tri- so i was thinking uh like i mean i think one of the big themes of this movie is uh you know bureaucracy um and uh that like in my in my essay i talked about uh kind of uh the the action hero's relationship to authority um and so maybe we could talk about that a little bit in this movie. Um, uh, can I just read uh, just a couple of the opening lines from my Give, give us a nice excerpt. Yeah, okay. So <laughs> it's called The American Hero of Film. That's the title. Um, for the latter half of the it. 20th... <laughs> okay, for the latter half of the 20th century, and still to this day, Americans have been enthralled with the cinema. We are drawn to the excitement and drama of movies and find ourselves living vicariously through the heroes of film. Over time, many of these heroes have become cultural icons that reflect the beliefs and values of the American people. Uh, yeah, that's um, a couple. A couple. Of, what, what do you think about that as an opening? <laughs> so provocative. Yeah. Cinema. Yeah. <laughs> Since the dawn of man, uh, we've been drawn to I love the cinema. It. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm probably yeah, no, laughing too much. I mean, I thought it was I love funny it. Too. It's what you got to go for in your high, in those high school essay opening yeah. sentences. I always had a hard time it. with that. I think I've, I've learned to be less dramatic. Yeah. Um, but Webster's Dictionary defines yeah. oh. action as... Well, wait. Wait a, wait a second. I can... Let me just what it, scroll down what it a couple. Like. Um, oh, gosh. So, Hidden. in this... Let's see. Okay, um, so I'm talking about the different categories I'm going to use to like evaluate the the heroes. So one category is their morality. Webster's Dictionary defines morality as conformity to the rules, of... <laughs> and then I use it the Webster's Dictionary to define masculinity as well. So. Two Webster's Dictionary definitions, man. This man is padding his yeah. essay word count. That's all I'm yeah. going to say. <laughs> There's yeah. only one reason to throw a Webster's Dictionary definition in. I know, like, yeah. these these definitions don't help. Like, morality, conformity <laughs> to the rules of yeah. right conduct, moral or virtuous say, conduct. Morality like, is not a great word to get a dictionary definition from. That's no. a pretty expansive word. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, um, so, yeah, I talk about how... So, in a lot of... Like, in Indiana Jones, he's kind of out in these areas where, like, they're presented as basically being lawless, so there's, like, very little authority. Um, mm-hmm. John McClane is a New York cop, but he's so he's outside of his jurisdiction. But there are, uh, a th- so th- there is there are a lot of authorities present throughout the the movie, 
And basically at every point, they just mess things up. They, mm-hmm. they're wrong. They, I mean, the, one of the early parts that I like is, uh, he like calls, um, who is he? Call- it's like some emergency service. Um, and he's yeah, it's like, just like the, it's like the police dispatch, the police area. dispatch. Right. And he's like on the phone with this woman and he's telling her that terrorists have seized the Nakatomi Plaza and she's just like not even hearing him. She's like, (laughs) you know, she's just thinking about the fact that he shouldn't be calling this number like he's not going through the proper channels. Um, And, uh, you know, she's saying she's going to have to like report this as like a whatever it was, FC, FOC violation, something. Um, Yeah. And then, you know, the um, uh, so they end up they send one police uh, officer to the scene. He's also I, I mean, and, and this he becomes a Powell becomes a central character, but he's pretty dumb for a while. too. I mean, he just like walks into the lobby, just quickly kind of scans around and is like, oh, there's not there's nothing here. I'm going to leave. <laughs> and then then we have the police chief arrive. He like is extremely skeptical about whether John McClane is really who he says he is. Um, he's like, uh, yeah. Um, what are some of the lines? That, uh, there's a lot um, of great lines here. There's a lot of, yeah. And like, Oh, he's like one of his, so the Powell is like, well, ha- so, uh, John throws a body out the window onto Powell's car. Um, and, and so at this point, the police chief doesn't even he's skeptical about whether there's anything going on in this building, much less like a terrorist takeover. And Powell's like, well, how do you explain this dead body falling on my car? And he says, probably some stockbroker got depressed. Like that's, that's the level of, uh, you know, uh, intelligence that we're dealing with here. And then then the FBI comes in and then they they make the police chief look like a pretty reasonable guy. <laughs> exactly. All of a sudden he stepped the police chief's now like the also part of the reasonable team. <laughs> exactly. Um, and I mean, maybe a little implausible. It's a little implausible how much more reasonable he becomes at that point. Um, and they, they have the, they have their like, you know, they've gone through their trainings that they, they like they immediately think that they know what's going on. They say like, sounds like an A7 scenario. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they have all this jargon um, and, you know, they're, and, and apparently like the um, bad guys kind of know, they know what the FBI's response will be somehow. So they're, they're playing directly into their hands. Um, yeah. And oh man, the, the FBI guys are great. They're you know, so got, great. <laughs> We have lines like I figure lose twenty twenty five percent of the hostages, and then the other ones like I can live with that. Yeah, <laughs> like, oh. we're just gonna go in. One of them puts they they're both in suits, but when they're in the chopper to go assault the building, one of them gets a backwards hat, yeah. and he's like, "Whoa!" Oh, as they're going yeah. in, it's so good. Also, I just I have to say it. It had to yeah. be spe- specified after. What is, however many episodes we've done in this show, <laughs> the the reference that we do, the dumb reference we do at the beginning of the show of no relation finally happened because both of these FBI j- agents, their names are Johnson, they both their last names are Johnson, and they say no relation after they introduce both of their names. So for for yeah. the listeners, 
it's a, we've been referencing something that no one knows <laughs> for the entire show. So we finally got to the movie that has the joke in it. Yeah, I was so excited about that. I'm yeah. glad you brought that up. Yeah, <laughs> I just I uh, had to get that in somewhere in this episode. Yeah, I was happy we finally got there. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I, those two guys, they. I mean, it's well, well, we'll, we'll maybe later we can do like favorite uh, side performances because and yeah. the deck is stacked. There's, like this. Yeah, is, there's every there's. 10 side performances that are just like incredible in this movie. Yeah. It's and so many ridiculous. recognizable actors too. It's like, yeah. you know, Robert Davi is playing one of the Johnsons. Yeah. Um, you know, like the police chief, um, Paul Gleason, he's the principal mm-hmm. in uh breakfast club. Um, you know, yeah, exactly. it's, um, I don't know if there's like anything deep that the movie is saying, he, like the, this trope of like bureaucrats being incompetent, is kind of it runs through a lot of uh american cinema mm-hmm. um do, yeah do you have any thoughts of like do you think they're just kind of drawing on this familiar trope and like really heightening it for comedic effect uh yeah to to to, to, to me it's just comedy to put it yeah. and then they're also they provide like also they kind of do two things they're they're just like dumb people for comedy and then they also give like an audience proxy and Al, so he's like, yeah, basically the audience stand in who's watching things going on in the building from afar, and he gets yeah. to have the same thoughts that we have, yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's right. going. So you, right. all, you always have to have that, and every every good action movie has <laughs> has that character standing on the sidelines commentating on the action, <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah, and and it makes sense that you know, like, it makes sense that John would try to to reach out um somebody yeah. like that and yeah, it, exactly. and it, and that's like that way he's not just by himself only talking to himself the entire movie um yeah yeah he he tries to not he doesn't want to have to solve the situation by himself yeah. his his right. goal is not to kill all the terrorists and save the day his goal is to survive and let yeah. the and let someone else do it. Unfortunately, the other people are too incompetent to to do right. that. So he he has to step in. He's the, the reluctant hero. The exactly. Yeah. So they they um, help they help him to be the reluctant hero because I think it, it does a great job of establishing it time and time again. He just wants to hide out and like yeah. ride this out. He's not trying to like instigate anything. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Um. Roger Ebert's main complaint about this movie, he gave it two stars, was that he thought it he thought that the authorities were so dumb and that like, according to him, they were kind of a plot. Their stupidity was a plot contrivance, like they were dumb so that the plot could advance. What what do you I don't really I I don't really get that. I I don't think they were smarter. They would have been more cautious and then that would have allowed the movie to continue. (laughs) <laughs> yeah it would have just been a movie with less action because the bad guys wouldn't have had to fend them off quite as right much um so i yeah i don't i think he needs to watch the movie again yeah no, not buying it yeah Roger. and yeah like you said it's it's kind of campy like it, it's mm-hmm. i mean it fits with the tone and it it generate like a lot of their lines are clearly comedic. Like they're not, yeah. it's very like exaggerated <laughs> and it's not just a plot. It's like, it's there to be funny. Um, yeah. I, li- I like when, uh, 
at the end when Hans is falling from the building and uh, the police chief is like, oh, I hope that's not a hostage. Like just <laughs> even at the end, he can't help but be an idiot. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it's so good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry. So as this movie as a Christmas movie, tell, all right, explain to me why this movie is a Christmas movie, oh. Sam. I'm yeah. viewer X that is like, oh, I don't understand why this is a Christmas movie. Right. Uh, well, Paul, um, I mean, like you said, it uh, it has one of the, the cl- I mean, one of the, the most the standard Christmas themes is that, you know, fan- the importance of family. Christmas is a time for family. Um, mm-hmm. It makes it, it's it's important to have this set at Christmas because it provides like a natural explanation for why he would be going to visit his wife and kids and why he would think that he has a chance at patching things up. Um, yeah. So like the, the setting at Christmas is really crucial to, to the story. Um, it, uh, you know, it, it incorporates Christmas music well into, you know, um, yeah, Christmas super and great Hollis. Christmas music. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it and ends have... with, uh, let it snow. Um, yeah, and then what's the which is the one when they open the vault? Which Christmas song? I'm oh, remember. I think Ode Wait, to Joy. Ode to Joy, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Um, I mean, there's l- lots of references. You know, with the first terrorist he kills, he like puts a uh, he kind of dresses him up as Santa, and then he sends <laughs> him down the elevator and has a message: Ho ho ho! Now I have a machine gun. Um, so there's lots of like. Yeah, lots of reminders throughout the movie. Yeah, I thought, yeah, it definitely, it doesn't like forget it's a Christmas movie halfway through. Like the dialogue incorporates Christmas references like through every, throughout the movie, you know, you have like, twas the night before Christmas and six men with machine guns are approaching (laughs) the the West Hall or whatever. Yeah. You know, you have it, they like work it into the dialogue or other like common Christmas phrases are worked into the dialogue throughout. So it's like... And I, really I think too, it. yeah, I think also like the fact that he is from New York and he's going out to L.A. to celebrate Christmas mm-hmm. is kind of like L.A. is like one of the least. I mean, I, I was just in New York recently and, you know, they have like the, the big tree in Rockefeller Center. There's like mm-hmm. all these Christmas lights. And now he's just like in sunny L.A. where there's like very little, very few signs of Christmas. Um, yeah. yeah. But yeah, and that it is, you know, exactly. It is like also just a classic Christmas thing of like going somewhere else for Christmas is like a key part in a lot of Christmas movies and like a new environment and discovering, rediscovering the magic of Christmas. Yeah, Yeah, that's I mean, I think I'm pretty sure that happens. Yeah. (laughs) You know, fighting off people who you think are terrorists, but are actually just you know uh robbers high class criminals that's uh mm-hmm. dealing with incompetent bureaucrats what what better way to learn the spirit of christmas exactly um, it is interesting all about yeah <laughs> i mean it is interesting that we, you know we talked about uh home alone and um elf and now die hard and they're they're all like about kind of they're all like fish out of water so, you know uh mm-hmm. the in elf he's like he was raised in Elf, and now he's in New York City. And Home Alone, he is Home Alone have, as an eight-year-old trying to, you know, figure adult. out. Yeah, be an adult. And then in this one, he is a blue-collar guy, blue-collar East Coast guy in sunny L.A. trying to, uh, you know, um, 
trying to integrate into a, a white collar company. Yeah. Um, yeah. What do you, uh, what, like, what do you think would have happened if uh, the terrorists hadn't shown up um, and he just went to the party? Like, do you think <laughs> things would have been patched up with the wife? And uh... Say TV, TVD. <laughs> I'm not going to say that they wouldn't have been, but it, I'm, I'm not going to say that they also. Yeah, I'm not I'm not I'm not sure either way. Yeah. So, it's one. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I think I, I think uh, they do a good job of setting it up as like it is kind of unclear. Yeah. Proceed. Like Dude, he, he knows that pretty he's a funny movie. Wrong. Yeah, but it's <laughs> just yeah. like I want I want to see that movie where he's just like at the party trying to interact with guests and it's just like awkward. <laughs> I know. I honestly like in in this world of remakes, I really think that would be so amazing, so ballsy <laughs> oh to just gosh. do Die Hard, but no terrorists. I, I really want, now that I'm thinking about <laughs> oh this, my gosh. but we already have a great Die Hard, you know? So yeah, so why, let's just leave it alone. Leave it alone. <laughs> just do an alternate uh, reality. where. <laughs> oh, I hate it. But speaking of the movie without terrorists, I think that the, ter- the terrorists yeah. slash high class robbers are super central to this movie working well. Um, And so maybe we should talk about them for a little bit. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I guess my my kind of big thoughts in them is I think what makes them so successful to me is it's almost like a reverse heist movie and that this movie gives way more time and attention to them, to their like interesting heist plan than like a normal movie with robbers would do it's like it actually it almost it's like someone thought through all right if these guys were the protagonists what would their plan be and let's make this movie here and then they just incorporate that movie without all the details that you would get if they were the main characters but they're like they're they're the protagonists of a heist movie happening on top of this action movie (laughs) Uh, which I, i think i think really works to like flesh them out as interesting characters yeah, yeah, that's a good, that's a good point. Yeah, um, one thing that I was thinking about it is kind of interesting that you find out early on in that scene with uh, Takagi uh, that they're not terrorists. Like uh, mm-hmm. Takagi's like, "What kind of terrorists are you?" And then Alan Rickman says, "Who who said we were terrorists?" Um, so <laughs> like we find out early on that they're just there to steal money, um, and for most of the movie. Uh, the, you know the authorities think that they're terrorists they they like i i mean i i like this like hans has this whole elaborate thing or yeah. they're like trying to you know their plan is to uh hold these people hostage so that they can you know release their revolutionary you know brothers and sisters who are being held captive by various governments um so and and it seems like like john is is skeptical about this mm-hmm. whole terrorist like fundamentalism idealism stuff um but uh yeah what it like um i guess it draws out the like further draws out the stupidity of the authorities like when we know what's going on seeing ha- like how gullible they are and just buying this story um and uh i i feel like you could have done it differently where like i I, and I think it would have been worse, um, you know, if you kind of gradually you figure out what's going on. I, I think it really wouldn't have fit with kind of the campy 
fun lightheartedness of this movie if you tried to make it at all like a mystery um well it it is a mystery it's just a different type of mystery because we are trying to figure out what they're doing but the interesting part is figuring out like what their plan is not whether like how they're they're going to execute it so yeah that's what i think it does such a good job is it sets them up early and you have like the gist of you know their end goal is to steal this money and from early on in the movie it shows them like doing different stuff but we don't have any context of what it means and then we learn and it gives us just enough to have some concept of what they're doing so we know that they're robbers but then the whole movie we're like all right why are there explosives on the ceiling well you know why you know they need to get the power off so they and they they sow the seeds early sometimes movies do the thing where it's like the villain goes ah it was all according to my plan the whole time but it's just like so <laughs> ridiculous that they would have predicted everything going on and this one we clearly see them sowing the seeds of their plan early on in the movie and we see what specific actions they're taking to drive the authority figures into doing what they want throughout the movie but it's not like we're not clear as far as how it's all going to fit together the whole time right. so it makes it more satisfying because it, it literally is like a heist movie where all then we get yeah. to see the final the final piece when the FBI shuts it off and we have like if they were the protagonists, the the big celebration <laughs> is they were able to successfully rob the place. Um and I think that's what's cool is that they you kind of have that the whole time. There's this lingering thoughts of like why why do the why do they need these, you know, detonators and like yeah. Like what what are they yeah, what are they trying to do? Yeah, mm-hmm. right. No, that's a good um, point. So I think I think that that's really cool. And then I also like, you know, they take the time to establish you you have like, you know, even there's the two brother terrorists and they early on kind of establish some like aspects of the relationship <laughs> in a weird yeah. way. Like what what movie develops like that one brother's more by the book and one's more like just like he's just kind of pretty, you know, he just kind of goes goes for it. They like establish these brother dynamics so that then when one brother dies, there's like more behind that one henchman. And then, you know, you have like Theo, who he's just a really fun and interesting yeah. character. Like there's like they flesh out so many more of the villains than you would expect movie yeah that's right. i think it kind of goes back to like they wrote this movie kind of like as if what if these guys were the protagonists of this right. heist movie and then of course you have alan rickman le- leading the group with such a just i mean he has he's alan rickman such a great <laughs> actor uh yeah I, this is such a such a great villain performance from him songs yeah um, i I mean, he's a great, like, high class. You know, he he talks about having a classical education. Um, That part was pretty rough. I'd say of the entire movie, one part of the movie stuck out to me as being, like, bad dialogue. (laughs) His introduction, it was, like, the classic, like, I was trained as a Navy SEAL and have my two PhDs from Harvard before I, like, also (sighs) got a PhD from this other prestigious college. And then also was like another advanced military. I don't know. It's just, that's just like the classic that, cheesy. And I, he's like, ooh, a model. So precise like me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I guess it <laughs> didn't was, bother me. I, that, I mean, that was like the one. I thought his lines later on were rough, but I was like, man, if this wasn't Ellen Rickman delivering these lines, I would just be out of this scene. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, let's. So he sees that model. He's really impressed by it. So he like talks about that, and then he, you know, he says uh, benefits of a classical education. Yeah, I mean, he's he, kind of. Don't you think he's trying to kind of like impress Takagi? But why why would he care about impressing Takagi? Um, you know, because Takagi is like a, a really successful businessman. You know, it's like that's um, not relevant to anything. He's, he's I mean, to do. he's a he's a high class guy. He kind of wants to show Takagi that he's like. He's uh, in his league, you know, he's talking about and he's kind of putting him down too. Um, you know, he's talking about how um, he has several of the same suits as Takagi. Um, yeah, the, the suits part is better. <laughs> I think if they had just gone more in the I think the suits vein, they had something. I've just, <laughs> I think I've just seen too many movies where they're like, I have my you know masters from mit and my phd from harvard and he doesn't go into that much a, detail i was in and i was a navy seal <laughs> like that's like every like i had like a 4.0 gpa in high school <laughs> i mean if he had said and, that that would have been dumb yeah i agree <laughs> that's just what i hear when i so he was like ooh, precision um, yeah like me <laughs> um, I, I kind of know what I you're just, talking about. Like, it's just gets a little cartoonish to me. But can you give I, me... that's okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, we well can... sorry. What, what were you going to say? I, w- I was just like, can you? Get... I, I think I know what you're talking about. But like, do you have an example of uh, a villain oh. who does this really egregiously? I mean, all right. It's it's happened so much. This is going to be hard for me to think of on the spot. I remember yeah. in the Black Panther, Killmonger was a Navy SEAL slash MIT slash uh. like another college or something graduate with a 4.0 GPA. I think um, there was in one of the, um, I feel like a Sherlock movie might have done that um, with a villain. I don't know. I had sent a lot of, it's like such a, it's like the classic, like, all right. We have like one line and we want to try to make the audience think that this villain is smart. And they're like, and so that it's used in a lot of movies. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, it's, all right. I think, I, th- I think the suits part is a little better because that's like a little more like interesting and creative at least. Yeah. And it is kind of more related directly to Takagi where he's like, yeah. oh, I'm just like you. You know, you're like this fancy business person, but I also have like the same suits. I think I think that one works better. Yeah, I think yeah. the the other ones felt a little more forced to me. Like I guess just the lines, like, um, but it's it's not a big deal. I thought Al, with Alan Rickman's performance, I think he's strong enough to make it work. Like it didn't bother yeah. me. It just stuck out compared to the rest of the movie to me. Um, but yeah. I think you know the rest of it. His 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 delivery is so good. You know. Uh, down to even I, I love the the the. T- I'm curious, like what his actual American accent would sound like. So I'm pretty sure he's clearly trying to do a bad American accent because the point is that John McClane realizes that he's not American. Um, so it made me. I was like, I wonder what his actual American accent would sound like. Yeah, I, I was wondering if he's ever done that. Um, 
But his his bad American accent was really funny. So maybe he just didn't have one, and they just utilized that for the movie. Huh. So you know, you have like I think Benedict Cumberbatch is like the modern day kind of like <laughs> interesting voice British guy, and he has an atrocious American accent uh, for being a well trained actor. So it, maybe he just does, didn't have it either, and they just utilized that for the fun of it. Yeah, there were some parts in Doctor Strange when it's like, how yeah. did they not get this? I mean, and I feel like he says dimension, and it's like it, an American yeah. would say dimension. Like that's not that hard to just correct <laughs> yeah. something like that. Um, <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I don't understand why. I don't understand why they didn't just make him British. Like it's not that hard yeah. to have a British person be a doctor in America. Like, yeah, <laughs> he just he went over to America to go be a doctor. It's fine. Yeah, like, right. Like easy I don't, to I, do. Uh, clearly like benedict wanted to like go for like stretch himself for the american accent but anyway yeah enough about <laughs> let's yeah we're, we're just returning tangent. from dr strange talk uh yeah exactly. <laughs> back to die hard um yeah um, but so i think we've kind of anything more that you wanted to get on on rickman uh, on rickman I, I mean he talks about like he he reads or, or takagi says something in like defense of his business practices and he's like, oh, like, I believe you. I read the article in Forbes. And yeah, then, they do uh, a lot of references to Forbes, Time Magazine, and 60 Minutes Yeah, in this movie. Um, it's, I, it's really, it's like, it's interesting. I guess it's just topical for the time. Those were all I think everybody, things. I think they were things it's that, like, like, everybody kind of read yeah. or watched. And I Yeah, so it was like a commentary on that that just, like... You're kind of you're that person. It's almost like the Google Doctor the, this these days. And yeah. In this one, it's like the sixty minutes like political expert. Exactly. Uh -huh. Yeah. I, I really like that. I like mm -hmm. and yeah, just like that person who kind of they can talk about various things, but if you like press them on, you know, like on their knowledge, it's like, yeah, you just you literally just read one article in Forbes <laughs> or something. And so yeah. I like that he just he's like open about his his sources. Um, <laughs> exactly. It's so funny making fun of that. And there's I love the one when he's like, I must have missed that episode yeah. of 60 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to remember what the context that's, was around it. Well, that's that's Ella, well, that's so. Yeah. Ellis is trying to he's he's like thinking he's going to save the day. And mm -hmm. and he's like acting like he's this really well-informed guy and he's like like I, like I know i know about your politics like i i see 60 minutes or something like that yeah um, yeah that's what and it was yeah so like they continue that joke with him i i just really yeah. i hadn't really noticed that before and i just uh yeah I just thought yeah that was... it's it's a, it's a great great running joke yeah um, with with them uh, especially as like pseudo terrorists they're kind of making fun of that that aspect of people are yeah. pretending like they know about the terrorists yeah exactly <laughs> read an article or something probably yeah. a good time to segue into just we have mentioned there's a bunch of great side characters we've already talked to a few of them i think they're like another reason especially what i noticed watching through this movie again is why it holds up so well is all the incredible side performances you want to maybe just mention a couple that you really really like i mean one that i i really like is the like psychologist who goes on the news show and i mean part of, it's just like such a the way it's written is so funny but i also think he he delivers it with so much conviction like he really yeah. thinks he's saying these profound things and he he wrote a book called uh hostage terrorist terrorist hostage a study in duality <laughs> um, <laughs> 
I just, yeah, I love like it's incredible. and this kind of fits with the anti-bureauc, like, sort of anti-authority, th- just bringing on this like guy, uh, just who you yeah, know. I think talks. it also goes to like the sixty minutes Time Magazine yeah. joke because it's such a like a pop, like like a pop take, psychologist. Like, yeah, exactly. Like yeah. not really academic at all. Exactly, um, and I've certainly seen come across people like that who just it's like just yeah. you're just saying nonsense but <laughs> saying it with enough conviction and authority that you can get by um so uh yeah did do, do you want to uh give us one of yours yeah i mean i i all right i'll mention argyle i think yeah. he, he's definitely hero of the show and him just from the beginning the charisma that he brings to the role as he's driving yeah. um the limo just his lines as, he's so like direct asking about john's um, personal life <laughs> uh, you know he's like you know john is like kind of acts like he doesn't want to talk about it but he's like no come on man <laughs> and then you know it's just um i love him just like just hanging out in the car just jamming out <laughs> while the terrorist stuff's going on and then he finally learns and he, he has gets his big moment where he runs the limousine to stop theo from escaping i thought yeah. those were i i just yeah i re- really really enjoy enjoy him yeah well i on that uh i really like theo and when Mm -hmm. argyle punches him theo just like lets out this like kind of high-pitched cry (laughs) and then he's just out (laughs) yeah (laughs) so uh yeah theo i love theo's like references to everything like he does a bunch of sports references where he's talking about football he talks about basketball and he has also he drives a bunch of Christmas references. He's just like anytime he says something, he can't just straight directly say something. He needs to frame yeah. it in some weird reference <laughs> to, to something else. And I, I just yeah. enjoy it the way he, he's talking about it so much. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, there's so many I could name, but I, I guess my last one, I'll just say Ellis, uh, played yeah. by uh, Hart Bachner. I, I, I realized <laughs> that was the name of the actor. Um, I, I think that he, uh, I mean, he's like constantly snorting coke. Um, he's, uh, he's, he's just, he's so confident. I mean, he's just kind of like the just like extremely confident. Um, you know, if you, if you really pushed him, you'd, yeah, you'd find out that like all of his information comes from Forbes and, uh, 60 minutes. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know what to yeah. what what can you say? Um it's yeah, Hans Booby. Yeah. <laughs> so many so many great lines like yeah. throughout. He's just yeah, so such a tool and I love him for it. Yeah. Uh, uh did you have any but, other characters? I, I, I think I mean we could go on forever. I think yeah. that's what so that's that was a big takeaway for me in watching the movie this time was just I'd forgotten how many like just one person after another just yeah. knocks out like no matter the size of the role oh yeah yeah. like every like there's not a single side character that isn't just like knocking out of the park in this movie and i think that 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 really adds to it all right with that i think maybe you do want to just kind of lightning round we can do maybe nitpicks and and quotes maybe we'll just okay that's a good idea combine them um yeah i think i have them written down okay a huge list all right well you're looking up i'll give my first one um, at the very beginning of the movie, Holly 
is talking like with her secretary. She's about to go to the party. And her secretary asks Holly, is the baby ready for a sip? And then <laughs> Holly and then and then Holly's like, Are you kidding me? It's ready to be a bartender is her <laughs> response. And she's literally a pregnant woman asking, yeah. like, Do you think my baby's developed enough for me to start drinking? I thought that was wild. Yeah. Um, but sorry, yeah. that that was just a funny, weird quote that happened in the movie. No, that was that's good. Yeah. Um, I never noticed it before. Yeah. Yeah, that was crazy. Um let's see. I mean, we've already gotten some of the, the good quotes out already. Um All right. I can do you I, want me to give another? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, they're talking about this is why um uh, speaking of Ellis, this is why Ellis doesn't like Christmas as much as what someone's saying. It's because um it's the day uh, he thought he was God's greatest gift. Oh yeah. <laughs> Oh, that was such a good Christmas reference. I had to like think about that one to even get it. Wow, you know what? Yeah, that's actually I I had not put that together until just now. So yeah. thank you. Wow, this yeah, that's great. Um, okay, well, I'll I'll give a nitpick. Uh, yeah, sometimes sweet. the terrorists uh, speak English. Sometimes they speak German, and I don't think there's really much rhyme or reason um i i did think it was they used that for a joke at one point when hans is telling one of the terrorists uh to <laughs> to shoot the glass in german and he doesn't understand him and he says shoot the glass in english yeah. um, i was like wait but he, he was talking to one of the german guys why is yeah he's talking happening? to a german guy <laughs> right but i yeah. guess you could you could say maybe they have some, they have one american they have like a japanese or chinese guy yeah, uh, I so I really I, it brings me to a further question of like how did they form their crew? Because <laughs> it's like it's like there's this basis in like German terrorists, like your right. stereotypical like huge German guy. But then they yeah. just have like this, a couple other randos. Like maybe sure Theo, maybe they like needed his specific set of skills. But, yeah. Like, why? Are, like I want to see the movie where like they're the main characters and it goes through like. The Ocean's Thirteen. We're recruiting <laughs> yeah. all these guys. Oh, there's <laughs> another like, shows like the Chinese guy. Yeah, he, I don't even want to know why they needed him specifically, right. other than his great mustache. But they're like, you're in. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta have one mustache like that. On yeah, our team. it's like, well, it's yeah, it's like, why aren't they just all like G German, German terrorists? Why did they right. randomly throw in like these three other guys that are here for the party? <laughs> right. And it does feel That's like pretty funny. Yeah, you got nerdy black American guy. You have yeah. like Southern American guy. Yeah. Um, and then you have I, I don't know. I don't know if the Chinese guy fits. A I think he's American, too. Oh, he's American, too. OK. Yeah. Um, they wanted to be um, like diverse with their affirmative action policy. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's. Uh, just, I, I guess maybe the reason is because they wanted it to make sense that they were speaking English, even yeah. though then they and then they kind yeah, it it, yeah. Kind, it almost works, but I think it, it's pretty goofy. That's a, that's yeah. a great nitpick. Um, <laughs> um, let's see. Um, all right, well, here's one. All right, here's yeah. here's the tiniest of nitpicks. Okay, speaking of tiny, um, so <laughs> um, John kills what the first German guy he kills. Um, yeah. And he wants to get his shoes because he's barefoot. But the shoes are too small. But this yeah. guy, it's like a huge German dude that's clearly like much taller than John McClane. Like, why are how are his feet so tiny? Yeah, <laughs> it just doesn't even like make sense. 
Well, and you even don't you see his bare feet uh, yeah, at one point, and they're like clearly yeah. bigger than yeah. John's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, with, yeah. With that guy, I had kind of a nitpick, really. But so he says when when John like points his gun at him, he's like, "You can't hurt me. You're a policeman. There are rules for policemen." Oh, but I love like, that part. obviously, if he attacks John. He would have. I, it's a great line. Yeah. Um. I'll, I'll put that in. And then, sorry. And then John's response is, "That's what my captain keeps telling me." And then he just like <laughs> takes him out. Yeah. Um. So let's p- log that under great, uh, great couple of lines. But also like, uh, yeah. Obviously, he could use force in that situation. They are literal like terrorists. Like I don't yeah. know. There's they they are t- shooting at him. They're shooting <laughs> he is, at him. He's being. <laughs> he has a gun yeah. in his hands. Um, yeah. so he's like pointing a gun at him. I think this is clearly, yeah. Um, let's see. Well, there's a big nitpick that I feel like is so like obvious it's hardly even worth saying, but uh, you know, bl- blowing up a huge section of the building was maybe not a great idea. Like, I don't, I'm not sure how that building comes down. Standing. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I had that one as well. That was, okay. yeah, he's like blew up like one of the lower floors too. Sure. If he yeah. blows up like the top floor, like you could, right. it wouldn't, but he blew up like the third floor of this freaking building. <laughs> <laughs> like how, how did it not just like topple over? It's, yeah. It's and he's like impre- putting impressive construction. Yeah. He's like putting some explosives together. Yeah. And he's like trying to decide whether to add another one. And he's just like, yeah. fuck it. And just puts another exactly. one on. It's like, oh, maybe yeah. I wouldn't have such a cavalier attitude uh, towards yeah, blowing exactly. up the building. Um, oh, yeah. That's one area uh, where John is being unreasonable and the cops are totally reasonable. Yeah. Like the police chief, he's like, you just blew up a building. Uh, and they make <laughs> yeah. it seem like they're just worried that there's like glass shattered. Uh, but it's like, no, that's a. It's, you know, it's a real concern. He could have killed concern. a lot of. Could have took yeah. down the building. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then all the hostages are for sure dead. Yeah, um, yeah. I thought that was yeah. They tried to make it seem like the cops were being ridiculous for complaining about <laughs> him doing that. <laughs> um, yeah. All right. Let's see. All right. This one's like a combo pack. This is like okay. a quote. One of my favorite quotes of this movie, but also a nitpick. Just okay. bring in the car. <laughs> Bring in the car, <laughs> which all right, just an incredible line. Um, I just yeah, I love yeah, it, it gets me every time. But also, they're L.A. police officers. Why does he have some kind of East Coast accent when he says "car"? He he, he moved over recently, you know. <laughs> okay, yeah, maybe he he For was sure. in the same situation as John, and uh, yeah. you know, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I just think it's funny. It's such an iconic line. It's said in such a weird way. That's yeah, probably what makes it like really stick out. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that that happens in a lot of movies where they they like you just think of like cops as like having thick East yeah, Coast exactly. accents. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um. Let's see. All right. One other just nitpick because I love just the FBI, the FBI guys. They literally have like assessed zero of the situation. They <laughs> yeah. like the police officers tried to tell them about what was happening. They didn't even listen to that. Yeah. And they're just like, let's just go in guns a blazing. Like that's yeah, for for sure what their strategy would be in this hostage situation. <laughs> like the whole reason they had to get the FBI in here was because it was a hostage negotiation. And the right. FBI, like, they don't even like attempt to get information. 
which obviously it's for comedy and it's hilarious yeah. um yeah i just I, I love that they're just immediately like all right we're going in hot <laughs> what's your favorite john mcclain line i mean oh man all right this is gonna be this is tough um yeah like I mean, there's always the the yippee kaye motherfucker. Yeah, line. that's a, that's a classic. That's just a classic. Um, tr- tried and true. I love yeah. that scene where he has the guns on his back, take yeah. down. That's just such like a classic. Um, yeah, diehard. Now it's, again, it speaks to the creativity of the action. Like he doesn't. There, there's all it's some like super interesting scenarios that they they thought of, and I think that's what yeah. helps make it memorable. But um, also I love when he's talking to the like police like chief guy yeah his name's Dwayne. yeah the way he says Dwayne, yeah he's like at least i wasn't like butt fucked on national tv Dwayne, and though just i he's he puts he just puts something something special on that name that i always yeah. love that part of the dialogue yeah they, um, they set yeah, well, him up with that name and he, yeah. he really uh uh really delivered um, yeah what, what what about you what, what are some of your what are your favorite john mcclain yeah, I mean, yeah, you you just said a couple. Uh, I think. Um, let's see. Um, I mean, I, I I like, and this isn't just the line, but kind of just the way he looks when he's like going to 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 f- the final showdown, and he's just like Hans, like he's just yelling his name, and he's like all bloody, and <laughs> uh, yeah, I I didn't do it justice. Um, yeah, it's but, hard uh, to say these lines. I'm sorry, everyone. We're we're not. Is. This is this is why we 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 don't act. We we talk about movies because yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, um. All right. I got I got another like one of my big nitpicks of the movie. Yeah. This is like my this is the central central thesis in Paul's nitpick takedown. Okay. Of <laughs> things that don't matter at all. Um. So the movie clearly states that this is Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. Why the hell are they throwing a Chris a corporate <laughs> Christmas party on Christmas Eve? Do these people not have families that they want to spend their night with? Like, how would you? Get, how could anyone you ever get away with doing that as a company? No one would want to go to this. It's That's a commentary atrocious. on the uh, you know the the poor a uh, work life balance in corporate yeah, exactly. life. <laughs> yeah, which they do do an interesting job of establishing that Holly does have horrible work life balance and is clearly yeah. too focused in her work because she is also working during the right. work party. They, that's another little good exposition oh, up front that they do. Yeah, I forgot true. to mention. Yeah. Um, right. I meant to. Um, but anyway, yeah, exactly. Biting commentary on the corporate yeah. world. <laughs> <laughs> that just. It's it's like I guess because it's a Christmas movie, they feel like it has to be set on Christmas Eve. Yeah. But really, it would make more sense if it was like December twenty third. Uh-huh. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that would be a much more yeah. And same with like the news. I don't know. There's just there's way too many people doing their job and not even like you know Al Powell. He's getting off work to go to like theoretically to go have celebrate Christmas Eve with his family, but he doesn't seem to even notice. Yeah, that, that's when he's like, no, no, everyone seems to just be another day of work for them. And same with like right. the news people, just no, no problem. What's yeah, all no one complains hard. about having yeah. this Christmas Eve. Uh-huh. Yeah, they're, they're all just locked in. No, no big yeah. deal. It's all work on Christmas. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I thought that was. Yeah. Funny. 
I guess, yeah, maybe my last nitpick would just be like, uh, the terrorists' plan really relied on the FBI being incredibly stupid. Like, if if they had done, if they had not followed their plan, like, what what if the FBI hadn't shut off the power? Uh, then they would have just like, well, I guess we're not gonna get that money. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. in. Christmas like, miracle. Well, I guess we'll just leave now. We'll leave, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Fun. No harm, no foul. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just seems like that uh, you would not want to, um, you know, rely on a, an external party so much. Um, maybe find a place that's easier to, to rob. It's a lot of money. It's true. So, yeah. There, like, there you go. Okay. Okay. Uh, he knows well, do you the have playbook, any... Sam. All yeah. right, final, final nitpick. Uh-huh. Uh, super dumb, but so um, Hans learns that Holly is whatever um, John's wife. wife. Yeah, and so he decides to kidnap her. Why? Why would? Why would kidnapping her be the choice? He should know that John's only motivation is trying to save his wife. If he just yeah. let Holly go see john john's out of the picture he doesn't care anymore right he would just instantly <laughs> solve his problem instead he does the opposite which is to bring john t- to make john need to stop him because he's trying to save his wife john's whole motivation and he should pretty much he should be clear like if he's just trying to rob then he should his incentive should be to just give up holly to to john and then he can go be a bank robber in peace and everyone lives happily ever after. No, that's <laughs> yeah, a really John, good John just walks away, problem solved. Great, I'm glad yeah. we could have this like mutual beneficial agreement that like I'll let you like he could have even said, All right, have here's your he could have even been like, Hey John, I'm gonna yeah. give you your wife. Will yeah. you not try to stop me from stealing the money? And John's like, yeah. I don't give it shit about yeah. that. I'm just gonna save my wife and move on with my day. <laughs> Right. And go take your money. I don't care at all. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if so this that, was. There, there you go. Yeah. That, hmm. man, so many possibilities for, uh, for remakes of Die Hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I want, I want the heist movie <laughs> remake yeah. where it, it, it shows the, like the whole, the whole thing. And yeah. then John's like the antagonist and it's almost like a horror movie with him yeah. <laughs> taking them down. It could really, yeah, it could really As they're be just a like movie. innocent yeah. people trying to like rob. I don't know. It's so, they're like, there's no difference between the villains and what like any other like heist movie protagonist team are. Like, it's not like they're doing anything different. Yeah, I think you just would have them not kill Ellis or make him much, much worse. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, and maybe yeah, not kill Takagi. Even um, a, lot, a lot of heist movies, the protagonists do end up killing people. That's true, but I don't know. Like, like they're usually a little like more edgy type heist movies. I mean, but yeah, but Ellis yeah, you could t- just take that out. Yeah, the, the, the Takagi one, which all right, that's a brings me to a couple to another quote for Holly. Oh. Which is um, like you can tell that to Takagi is what she says to Ellis when he's talking yeah. about something. It's like the coldest thing ever. In general, yeah. in this movie, when someone dies, the next <laughs> line about this person has just zero. There's no feelings of sadness for the people that just died. Right. 
And she was like working very close with him. Yeah. He was a father of five. I mean, yeah, pretty sad. Uh, yeah. And now yeah. all of a sudden, yeah. So sorry. That was, <laughs> yeah. Okay. She, what is, yeah. Just on the Takagi uh, death, what did you think about this line from uh, Hans he, to the hostages? He won't be joining us for the rest of his life. I love um, that line. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't, I, I'm never sure if that's like, Good or bad? I, I oh, it's incredible. Okay, okay. Uh, it's yeah, it's too good. Too good. <laughs> well, it's so uh, good. It's almost bad, but it's still yeah. good. Um, I think. Well, now that we're uh, at this point, uh, maybe uh, maybe a good time to to sum things up and uh, call it. Uh, any final thoughts on on Die Hard, Paul? Great movie. Nice. I, I like it. What about you? That's I. I would. I would agree with that assessment. Um, yeah, good. Great. Just fun. Honestly, just it truly is a great Christmas tradition. I think it's yeah. has great rewatchability, and just a per- perfect movie for once people are of a certain age to watch every yeah. year around the holidays. Absolutely. Yes. It it definitely re- rewards multiple viewings. Uh, hmm. Yeah. Is that? I don't know if I said that right. <laughs> yeah. Um, Yes, but uh, you do get right. monetary rewards for viewing it multiple times. The yeah, people that made yeah. it will send you a check in the mail. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, uh, yeah, so that's going to be it for Die Hard. It definitely holds up. Um, everyone should watch it uh, who, of a certain age. Um, so, yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for joining us. And um, be sure to rate and review us on your uh, podcasting app of choice. Uh, follow us on Twitter at movies full of heart. Uh, if you want to reach out to us, our Gmail is uh, movies um, full of heart. Uh, did I say that our Twitter yeah, was? That is... I don't know. Okay. It's fine. Our, our Twitter is at movies with heart. Um, there, there's there's links in our um, description. Yeah. So you can, you can okay. go there. And yeah, Merry Christmas and happy holidays, everyone. Yeah, Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs>